to the book of uh, <laughs> to the book of First John chapter one. Uh, the tape from this morning didn't take, so if uh, if you want a copy of it, you just have to come down to the house and I'll re-preach the message to you. But uh, it didn't take, so if you want a copy, we experienced a bit of technical difficulty. Use them kind of words when you're going to be on the radio. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh, uh, we don't have that tape. Let me go ahead and give you the announcements we have. Uh, tomorrow night will be the Christmas dinner for the ladies here at the church in the annex building. In the office. Won't be nobody down there, will he, Dad? That's right. So that'll be tomorrow, and that'll start at uh, 7 o'clock. All you ladies, be sure to remember that. Uh, again, tune in tomorrow at 7.30. will be the first broadcast of Good Hope Through Grace. And uh, I'm anxious to get that out and begin having that every week at 7.30. You should be telling people you work with, people you go to school with, so that they can listen in. It's a good way of witnessing. There's people out there that won't go to church anywhere, but will sit and listen to a program over the radio. So we're at trying to reach them with the gospel, and you pray that the Lord uh, will use it. This coming, uh, this coming Saturday uh, at 6 o'clock, we'll be caroling here at the church. All you that are uh, uh, want to go, remember, we're not going to have the uh, tractor. We're not going to be riding. We're going to be walking. So we're going to walk and come ready to walk and, and uh, bring you a flashlight. Brother Ed's done got the, uh, the songs ready to go, and we're going to go out and sing in the community. We're also going to be passing out some flowers in the community uh, about the, uh, <laughs> not literally flowers, but uh, we're also going to be passing out some <laughs> bulletins about the uh, <laughs> bulletins about the Christmas play. The Christmas play is going to be held on the 18th. That's not this Saturday's Carolyn, the following Saturday. On the 18th will be the Christmas play. That will start at 7 o'clock. If anybody would like to volunteer to help in the nursery that night or to do the nursery, let Sister Michelle know because if we don't have any volunteers, we're not going to, we won't offer a nursery that particular night because uh, uh, most people want to see the play naturally. But if we get a volunteers, we will offer it. So we need to know between now and then. So you got a couple weeks to decide. Uh, Dad was going to volunteer, but he's going to be busy at night, so thank God for that. <laughs> so that will be, uh, okay? Got you, Mr. Music, all right? Now, uh, this coming Sunday, remember the 11th, this coming Saturday is a Christmas, uh, Christmas caroling. But also this coming Sunday, the, uh, Jeff's going to be preaching on Sunday morning. Jeff's not here tonight. He's preaching down at Point Pleasant again tonight. He'll be preaching Sunday morning. Brother Jeremy will be preaching Sunday evening. So you remember these two young men in prayer. The Lord will continue to bless their ministries. Pray for them and pray that the Lord would help them as they preach. Uh, I love to listen to them preach. Uh, the best way to support them is to pray for them and make it a point to be here to hear them preach also. Okay? Christmas Sunday is going to be on the 19th. And, of course, on Christmas Sunday is, of course, uh, are we handing out treats this year in Sunday school, Neely? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Church is going to be handing out some treats. Uh, he made sure he got that through at the last business meeting. So we'll be handing out, out treats for Christmas Sunday. Also, uh, the, the, young, the little ones is going to be giving the recitations on Sunday morning. So we're going to have about, I'm going to remember now, I've done this two years straight, so don't y'all start on me. I'm going to preach a shorter message, 20, 25 minutes. And I'm going to let the, the little ones is going to have the first part of the service. We really enjoy that. It's a blessing to see, to bring them over and, 
And uh, Sister Sandy and Sister Debbie's class is going to be doing that. So you remember that, all of that. Uh, in the back uh, is uh, a box and it's got everyone's name that attends here on it. Uh, if you're going to give Christmas cards, you just take and put them in there, save you from having to mail them. And then uh, it, just go back here and look under your name and you can pick up your card. That'll save you postage. So that will be back here in the back, so you, you keep that in mind. Daily, new daily breads are in the track rack. If you haven't got your daily bread, uh, make sure that you get that, okay? Anything I missed? Got a lot going on this month. I told you, and it's going to go by quick. I know one thing I missed. Uh, I never announce this unless someone tells me to, but this coming Saturday, I actually have two weddings to do. I got a wedding at 2.30 and a wedding, uh, I forget what the other time, 4.30. <laughs> They can't start without me anyway, 4.30, okay. So uh, this coming uh, Saturday, uh, Ronnie and Ashley's wedding will be held at Polka Methodist Church, and that will start at 2.30, and uh, he would like to, uh, to invite the whole church to that. So that's a, that's a public uh, invitation, anybody, anybody. I know, just going to... Yeah, yeah, there'll be... You can go to the reception, Dad, though. <laughs> So that'll start at 2.30, that'll start at 2.30 at, uh, at the Polka Methodist Church, and, and, and everyone's invited, of course, uh, uh, to that. Ronnie's not here today, uh, his uh, brother had a baby, so he's with his brother. So he's, he called, and he's excited over that, so you remember, uh, remember him also. Book of 1 John chapter 1, what we're going to do this evening, got a lot happening, do we not? A lot of the things going on, it's good. 1 John chapter 1, we're going to be focusing on verses 5 through 10, uh, verses 5 through 10 of 1 John chapter 1, and what we're going to title this message is, we're going to title it Fellowship, because I think that's the main, the main topic or the main subject, especially of 1 John chapter 1. It's focusing upon fellowship. Uh, the word's used four times in chapter 1. It's used, uh, it's used uh, in verse 3. It's used in verse 6. It's used in verse 7. Uh, so it's used in several places in, in chapter 1 because the, 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 it's, it's stressing the importance of fellowship. And by fellowship, I'm not so much talking about fellowship between brothers and sisters, which that's important too. This is speaking of fellowship with God. You know, the word fellowship means communion. That's the idea of the word. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 10, 16, where it says the bread that we break, is it not the communion? That's the same word translated fellowship here. The exact same word. So when I'm talking about fellowship with God, I'm talking about a communion with God. And that's basically the idea of it. Uh, communion with God, fellowship with God. Walking with God, that's the idea of fellowship. Whenever we were born again, God called us out of darkness into His light. And now that we're saved and now that we're born again, we are to have a fellowship with God. Now the reason why that's important is listed in verse 4. And I want you to notice that. And these things write we unto you that your what may be full? Your joy may be full. Now, what determines your joy as a Christian is how well your fellowship is with God. 
But all God's people, please say amen to that. That's what determines your joy. The key to joy, the key to a full joy, is fellowship or communion or closeness with God. One of the best testimonies of a man in the Word of God is, uh, is that of Enoch, or Enoch, it depends on how you want to pronounce it. It says that Enoch walked with God. And that certainly is the kind of testimony that every one of us needs to have as brothers and sisters in Christ. I would like, after I'm gone, for people to be able to say, you know, Jeff walked with God. Wade Hartwell walked with God. We want people to be able to say it. And that means simply when you walk with God, that means that you and God are close. You've got a close walk with Him. Now, I can guarantee you tonight, if your fellowship with God is close, then you'll have a full joy. But if your fellowship with God is not close as it used to be, then one of the things that will suffer is your joy. So what determines your joy is fellowship. Say that with me. Fellowship. That's what determines your joy. You might be thinking now, if I, a lot of people think, yes, if I had more or I had, uh, if you're born again, uh, you might, some people, even though they're saved, will start, well, you know, if I, had a, if I had more money or I had a better home or I had a better job or I had a better car, and they think if they had better materialistic things, uh, they're unhappy now. They think if they had these things, they would be happy. I'm going to tell you tonight, if you're not happy with your God, then you're not going to be happy if you get more material things. I want you to hear that. We seem to think those things will make us happy. I've seen people that had very little and had a close fellowship with God and were very happy. I've seen those same people, that same people, achieve a lot, get a lot of materialistic things, and uh, get a higher paying job and get a nicer car and get a nicer home and more money on the hour and all those things and drift away from God and we're miserable. So it's not the materialistic things of life that will make you happier. What will make you happier if you're born again tonight is a closer walk with your God. That's what you need. You don't need a better job. You don't need a better home. You don't need a better car. What you need to have greater joy is a closer walk with, you, with your king. Right here and right now. That's what you need. That's what determines your joy. We seem to think that these type things will make... Or if I change my circumstances. Now, I'm in bad circumstances right now. or going through this time and that time. Now, when all my circumstances are changed, then I'll have joy. That's not necessarily. I've seen people's circumstances. If you're, you know, you can be in a bad circumstance and have a close fellowship with Jesus Christ and still have a full joy. All God's people see it. Paul and Silas did in the middle of a prison in Philippi. After getting a beating, they still had joy in Christ because they had a close fellowship with Jesus Christ. What you need for joy is not a change of circumstance or a change of your material wealth. What you need to have a full joy is a closer communion with your king. That's what you need. And I found that whenever God's people are miserable all the time, usually the problem is, usually, I ain't going to put a percentage on it, but usually it is because their fellowship with their king, they have drifted from him. 
That's almost always the case. You can, you can simply talk to them and ask them about it, and you can see that that's usually what has happened. Change the circumstance, it ain't going to make them any happier if they're still distanced away from their God. Do you see what I mean? Change their materialistic things, it's still not going to make them happier. Get them a better girlfriend or boyfriend, that's still not going to make them happier. The only thing that's going to make them happier is a closer fellowship with Jesus Christ. How many knows that tonight? Do you know that? Man, you need to learn that. You might learn it by experience. But I'm going to tell you what, you want to learn it by the sermon tonight because that's very, very important for you to see. Fellowship is a very important part of your life here on this earth. And it's what determines your joy. Could it be, could it be that you're here tonight and saved and miserable? And could that misery be because you're no longer closer to your God? Or you don't have that kind of walk with God that you should have? That your focus is no longer on Him? Could that be? Could it be that your main problem is your communion with your King? Could that be? Many times if you get to looking, that's the main problem. All these other things are merely symptoms. Okay? One can lose fellowship. Do you all agree? One can lose fellowship. But in say you can lose salvation. You all know better than I'm not going to go rehash that. But you can lose your fellowship. You can lose your fellowship. And I'm, going to, I'm here to tell you tonight, you can be just as close to God as you want to be. Yes, sir. If you want to be close to your king, you can be. You can be just as close as you want to be. And I'm telling you what, tonight you're just as close to God tonight, you're just as close to God tonight as you want to be. You say, Well, I'm not very close to God, that's because you don't want to be. There's things that you have to do in order to be close to your king. So you can lose your fellowship. You know one of the things that will cause you to lose your fellowship? Sin. Sin will cause you to lose fellowship with God. King David in the book of Psalms chapter uh, in, in Psalms chapter 51, after having fell into sin, said this, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Because when you lose fellowship with God, one of the first signs of being out of fellowship is you lose your joy. It's not there no more. And that's what happened to David and what put him in that position is sin. Sin will rob you of your fellowship. You know something else will get you out of fellowship? Distraction. If he can't cause you, Satan can't cause you or tempt you into some kind of gross sin, he will distract you off God. And if he can get you distracted off God, then he can cause you to drift out of fellowship with God. Does everybody see that? Does everybody know that God, that Satan uses distraction? He'll get you busy. He'll get you so busy and wrapped up in the world that you absolutely don't have any time for God's Word, God's house, God's people, or communication with God. And when you get that too busy, uh, that busy, guess what? You're too busy. If He can't cause you to fall into some kind of gross sin, He'll get you distracted, get you so wrapped up in the world and running and going here and the hustle and bustle of the world to where you're so distracted by all these things that you no longer have time for God. And quite honestly, if you're distracted, what do you do? You drift. 
So they always seek to distract you. We talked this morning in our Bible in our Sunday school class lesson about cares. You can get distracted by cares. You can get so wrapped up with your problems that you have and wrapped up with your cares. That's why God says to cast them on me. Because if you're constantly looking at your cares, what does that do to you? It distracts you. Can't pray. Can't study. Come to church, listen to me preach, and then just because you're distracted. So these are things that cause you to lose fellowship. Cares of this world, distractions of this world, and sin. What are some of the signs of losing fellowship? Uh, Timmy's ordered me a book that I taught on in Sunday school class a few weeks ago. These are a little bit different. It's entitled The Way Back. Best book I ever read on being backslidden. And if you know someone's backslidden, it's a good book for them to read. And it's a good book for you to read because it tells you how to stay in fellowship. Here's some of the signs of being out of fellowship. And a few, uh, these are symptoms. I guess I'm a doctor tonight. And if you have these symptoms, it's a good, if you have, if you have some of these or all of these, and it's a good, good, uh, good thing. I mean, I, I want to say good bet, but it ain't no good bet. There's good reason to think that you may be out of fellowship. Let me give you the symptoms of being out of fellowship. Number one, you lose your joy. You don't have none. You lose it. None. Gone. I mean, you're born again. you got a home in heaven. You're a child of the king. Uh, your sins is paid for and all. And we go on and on and on. But at the same time, you don't have no joy. When I get out of fellowship, I lose my joy. Does everybody in the house know the joy of the Lord is your strength? It's your strength. When I'm filled with joy, i got pep to me. I study better. I preach better. I sing better. I don't sing no better, Brother Jim. I, well, I, I sing louder when I have joy. But when I don't have no joy, I don't want to sing. When I don't have no joy, I have difficulty preaching and studying. Joy is a key to your strength. And if you've lost your joy, that's a, one of the signs of being out of fellowship. Number two, you become increasingly more unfruitful when you're out of fellowship. You can tell. One time you were on fire and you are producing more. As you're, as you're in a close walk with the Lord, you know what happens? You become more fruitful. But as you drift away from God, you know one of the signs? You become more unfruitful. You can see that. Those are signs. Number three, Sin will become more prevalent in your life. You'll become more sinful. You'll, you'll see that. You'll begin, sin begins to pop up a lot more in your life than it did before. You'll be more tolerant of sin than you was before whenever you get out of fellowship. Number four, prayer becomes an empty form. Whenever you're praying, you're just going through the motions. It's just... Kind of like a little, now lay me down to sleep prayer. You're just saying the words. And it just becomes, prayer life isn't something that's powerful for you. It's something that's just empty. When your prayer life's empty, when you've lost your joy, when you're becoming more unfruitful, sin is becoming more prevalent, that's a sign that you're out of fellowship and you're losing your fellowship. Number five, worship becomes a dull routine. Man, you can almost guarantee when someone comes, oh man, I'm not getting nothing out of the services no more. It ain't like it was. I used to love the church services down there at Elizabeth. Man, I couldn't wait to get there. I got a lot of joy whenever I was there. But now, man, I just, 
I'm just showing up. You know what that's a sign of? That's a sign you need to fire your preacher. That's a sign that you're out of fellowship. When the service becomes a dull routine for you, you might not need a change of preacher. You might need you you need a change of position. You need to draw up closer to your king because that's a sign you're drifting. That's what I found to be true. Number six, I'll give these all to you again real quick. You become when you're out of fellowship, you become very critical of others. Increasingly more critical of others. Anybody out of fellowship is the most critical people in the world. They'll hack other people to pieces. And they'll, along with becoming critical of other people, they'll pull away from... So the natural result is when they start being critical of other people because they're out of fellowship, they pull away from people. And don't want to be around nobody. When you get to where you pull away and you don't want to be around your brothers and sisters in Christ, you know what that's a sign of, don't you? That's a sign of being out of fellowship. So those are six things that are signs of it. You lose your joy. You become increasingly more unfruitful. Sin becomes more prevalent. Your prayer becomes just an empty form. Your worship becomes a dull routine. You become increasingly more critical of others. And you seek to pull away. You seek to pull away. All six of those are signs that your fellowship with Christ, you're drifting away from Him. Satan cannot, cannot take your salvation from you. But I want to tell you, I'm here to tell you tonight, he can and he wants to break your fellowship. He wants to. And he'll do everything possible because he realizes if he can break your fellowship and you lose your joy and you drift off away from God and become more unfruitful, that you won't have the impact that you had when you was close. I want to tell you here tonight the key to a happy, fruitful Christian life is a close fellowship with Jesus Christ. Did you fit any? Did any of them symptoms? Don't raise your hand. Did any of those symptoms describe you? If any of those symptoms described you, you need to draw up closer to your Lord. You're showing strong signs of being someone that's drifting. And you want to get back. Now, let's talk about, and this is the main thrust of the message, how do we maintain our fellowship? Let's look in verse 5, and that's this uh, 5 through 10. Uh, I'm going to, I've been able to preach a little bit quicker anymore. Not that I'm in a hurry. But notice what it says in verse 5. How do we maintain fellowship? Do you all think that's important? Can I, if I would give you a piece of paper and ask you to write down, are you close to God tonight? I, I'm not. At, if you're saved, my question to you, are you close to Him? Do you have a close fellowship with your King? And I can guarantee you, if you say, Jeff, I'm closer to God today than I've ever been. And if you can tell me that and from your heart, I can guarantee you then you're happier than you've ever been. That goes along with it. But if you can say, Jeff, I'm, uh, I'm not close to him. I've drifted far away. You're miserable, aren't you? Because there's no joy when you're out of fellowship with him. 
So let's talk about how to maintain that fellowship. Two basic things are mentioned in 5 through 10 that you need to do in order to maintain fellowship. The first one's mentioned in verse 5. Notice what it says in talking about our God. This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declaring to you that God is what? God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. God is what? God is light. You know what that means? He's totally 100% pure, clean, and without sin. He's totally holy, 100%. God is light. Now, if we're going to have fellowship with God, what does it say in verse 7? If we walk in the light, what does it say we got? If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with the other. So if you're going to have fellowship with God and be close to God, you've got to walk in the light. Because He's in the light. You know, light and darkness is two uh, contradictory things. You can't expect to have a close walk with God and not walk in the light. How do you walk in the light? Well, there's several things listed in chapter 2. Here's what it means to walk in the light. So walk in the light. If you'll notice uh, down in verse 10, it says, He that loveth is what? He that loveth his brother abides in, in, uh, abides in the light. One of the ways you walk in the light is you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. You know the way you walk in the light? Look at 1 John chapter 2. Notice again, verse 3, Hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He that says, I love God and keeps not His commandments is a liar. Another way you walk in the light is by being obedient to God. Keeping His Word. Loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. Those are two ways that you walk in the light. Third way you walk in the light in verse 29, if you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness, the idea of the word doeth righteousness is practices righteousness, is born of Him. Keep His commandments, you keep His word, you practice righteousness, you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Also in chapter 2, you'll notice in verse 15, love not the what? Love not the world. Does that mean the globe? Does that mean planet earth? What is the world? It's the worldly system under the dominion of Satan. Do you know there's a worldly dress? You know there's worldly talk? You know there's worldly actions? And a child of the king should hate the world and the things of the world. Do you all not agree? One of the problems today is you got too many people that claim to be Christian that absolutely love the things of the world. And that's a contradiction. Walking in the light is hating the world, the, world, the, the, the worldly things of the world, loving your brothers and sisters in Christ, keeping His Word and practicing righteousness. Oh, that's walking in the light. If you're, not, if you're living in disobedience to His commandments and you hate your brothers and sisters in Christ, and you love the world, you cannot have fellowship with God. It's an impossibility because He's in the light. And if you're going to maintain that fellowship with Him, you've got to walk in the light. Have to. Notice what He says in verse 6. Look at it. Underline it. If we say that we have fellowship with Him 
And we walk in, and we walk in darkness. What's it say? We lie and do not the truth. You know. And you know, people say, "How can I say this?" People, people say, people say some of the goofiest things. That's the only way I know how to say it. You know. Uh, I'm a drinking and things, and uh, I, I use a lot of a lot of foul language and things. And uh, I know I don't go to church, and I know I chase women and things. But you know, I'm closer to God today than I've ever been. Oh, keep that! You're lying to me. That book, at verse six, tells you you cannot walk in darkness and be close to God. It's an impossibility. You can't do it. You can't walk in darkness. And have a close fellowship with Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you one thing right now. If you're a child of the King, and you begin to live like the world does, I can guarantee you that chastening rod of God will come into your life if you belong to Him. That will be there. When someone claims to know Christ, and they can live in open sin, and there's no evidence of the chastening rod of God, you know what it does to me? It makes me wonder. That makes me wonder. Because if someone can go out here and live in open sin, and there's no bothering of them of that, there's no conviction of that, there's no sorrow at that, for a prolonged, long, long period of time, the Bible says if you're without chastisement, then you're a bastard and not a son. I'm telling you tonight, you can't walk, live, and do as the world does and be close to Jesus Christ. It's impossible to do that. Can't do it. That's what it says here. So if I'm going to maintain fellowship with Jesus Christ and be close to Him, I have to walk in the light. As He's in the light. And then we have fellowship one with the other. And the result of that is then what? Joy. Joy. Back years ago, when I was out of the fellowship of the Lord and drinking, and doing all the things that you do with that type of lifestyle, I thought I was having a good time. How many thought this having a good time in that life? Would you raise your hand? I'm going to raise two. I thought I was having a good time. When I repented of those things and turned my back on those things, and I started walking in the light, man, they nothing compares to that. I'm going to tell you right now, the joy and the peace and the contentment and the rest that I had as a result of that, I don't want to go back to those things. Do you, Harlan? There ain't nothing compares to a close fellowship and a close walk with Jesus Christ. And you can have that, but you can't live like the world and have that. You've got to make a break with those things through the power of your God, and you can. Oh, come out from amongst the world and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And you can have a close walk with your King. Man, you can have all the things of the world and all those worldly friends. You can have them all. I want to be friends with Christ. And I want to have a close fellowship with Him. How do you love your brother like you should and keep the commandments, practice righteousness, hate the world, 
Do you just will it on your own? How do you do that? Well, I think the, the key to fruit bearing is given to us in John 15. How you produce fruit. And you know, I'm not going to turn you there because that's a message in and of itself. But in John 15, I've told you about this here recently. You have, it, 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 Jesus tells his disciples about a grapevine. And he says, boys, I'm the vine. You know, meaning I'm the trunk with the roots that goes down into the ground. I'm the vine. You boys are the branches. You're rolling out of me. You're, you're, I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're receiving the strength and, val- and the vitality from the vine, from the main trunk. Jesus is the main trunk. If you abide in me, you'll produce fruit. But it goes on to point out, if you're severed from me, you break that contact with me. Why? All you have to do is watch me weed eat at the house, and you can see that. I'll weed eat. I think it's a weed. Debbie's it's a plant. I'll cut a, I'll cut a, uh, a branch. Have you ever cut a branch off a tree and didn't mean to weed eat you ever watch it it'll fall? I've learned to hide them. <laughs> but you ever look at one when they when they when they you sever you sever a leaf or a or a branch from a tree or a or from a grapevine? Have you ever looked at it? What does it do in about a week? It withers. It don't produce anything anyway. It completely withers. Jesus gives you an object lesson. If you break contact with me, you'll wither. You won't produce anything. In order to love your brothers and sisters like you should, in order to keep His Word, in order to, do, in order to make a cut, a separation from the world and hate the world, you've got to abide in the vine. You've got to maintain, listen to me, you've got to maintain close contact with Christ. You sever that contact with Christ, and you know who knows that more than anybody else, don't you? The devil does. You sever that contact with Christ... It'll make you unfruitful. It'll get you out of fellowship and you'll lose your joy. So he's out to sever that. How do you abide in the vine? How do you maintain contact? One way is by coming to God's house. You stay in tune with him by coming to God. Does that help you by coming to God's house? Oh my, you're sitting under his word. That's why he established the church. It's a training center for the people. It's a pillar and ground of the truth. It's where the sheep get fed at. You need God's Word in order to grow as a Christian. Boy, if you sever you away from... You know all He's doing. He'll do everything He can to sever you away from God's house. That's what He wants to do. If you take one of God's people and you get them away from God's house, oh my, you that's the first progressive slide back out of fellowship with Him. Reading your Bible. Man, I don't get enough Bible at church. Well, that's only, what, uh, three days a week? No, I'm sorry, uh, four services a week. Sunday school, morning worship, evening worship, and Wednesday night, that's four services. That's not nowhere near enough for me. How about you? i got to have the word during the week. I have to study. That's how I maintain contact, by studying and reading the word of God for myself during the week. Stay in contact with Him is another way you abide in the vine. Prayer. That's how you stay, keep contact with Christ. But you sever that contact, 
you sever that contact, you won't love your brother like you should. You'll become more worldly. You'll become increasingly more disobedient. So if you're going to walk in the light, you've got to maintain contact with your vine, and that's Jesus Christ. All God's people said, that's how you maintain it. And I'm going to tell you something else. <clears throat> I've watched people here for, uh, several families here for about the past five or six years. And I, those families that dedicate themselves to all four services, it, 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 ask them. Those families that dedicate, those people that, that can, and dedicate themselves, well, not everybody can because of their work, understand that. But those families that can dedicate themselves to all four services, you can notice a change in their life. It draws them closer. You can see it in them. They become more fruitful. And you know what? I've noticed they're happier too. They're happier too. So if you're going to maintain contact, if you're going to maintain contact, you've got to continue to abide in your vine. You've got to stay in God's house, in His Word, around His people. You've got to do those things in order to walk in the light. If you walk in the light, you've got fellowship. If you don't walk in the light, you won't have it. Number two, the second part of this, number two, <clears throat> verse 8 says, if we do what? If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, if you're going to stay in fellowship, you've got to confess your sin. You have to do that. You know, the sooner you realize this, the better off you are. You're born again and you're saved. I realize that. But you know what? You still, you still live in a body of flesh. You still have a sinful nature. Do you know that? Amen. Do you realize Jesus told Simon Peter in the book of Matthew 26, 41, The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh, your flesh is weak. Now I'm aware of that. Are you aware of that? Your flesh is weak. And I'd like to tell you that from the time that you're born again that you'll never sin again, but I can't tell you that because you will. And so will I. Because I still live in a body that has sinful inclinations and desires just like yours. And we'll have that in us until we get a what? A new body. Paul said that he will change this vile body and it'll be fashioned like unto his glorious body. So when we sin... There is the need then to confess our sins to Him. <clears throat> to confess our sins. Fellowship. In order to maintain fellowship, you must not only walk in the light, but you need to confess your sins. This is where we have a problem. People don't confess their sins. They don't do it. The Proverbs says, He that covers his sin will not prosper. You will never prosper spiritually as long as you have unconfessed sin in your life. You know what we do? We tolerate it. Or we overlook it. Or we excuse it. Or we blame it on somebody else. We do one of those four. We tolerate it. We overlook it. We excuse it. Or we blame it on Somebody else. What this tells us, if we're going to walk in the light, what we need to do is drag that out in the open, bring it before our king, stand on his side with it and say, yes, God, it is sin, and I'm sorry for it, and work this thing out of my life. 
That's what it means to confess it. That's what He wants you to do. A life of fellowship with Jesus Christ doesn't mean you have to remain perfect. But it does mean if you sin, you need to confess it. Because if you don't confess it, you'll drift further and further out of fellowship with Him. We use the illustration of Jonah all the time. I think it's a good illustration. He didn't want to go to Nineveh and preach. That wasn't Jonah's will to go there. He would just assume God judge him. Because those were the enemies of his people. As a matter of fact, it would, have been, it would be the Assyrians that came down and carried them off into captivity. He wanted God to judge them people. He didn't go. He disobeyed God. Was that sin? Went the opposite direction. Went down and got on a boat. Went the opposite way. Went down in the middle of the ship and went to sleep. God sent a storm. I'm telling you, if you're born again and you drift away from God like Jonah, I can guarantee you He'll blow some storms in your life if you don't listen to the Word. Guarantee you that. That'll be there. So a storm came into his life, and, and oh, it was a mighty storm. And the, the, the ship was about to sink. They throw everything overboard to lighten the ship and everything. You know where Jonah was at? He was sound asleep. If he would have confessed his sin right there, he would have never got swallowed by a fish. He never confessed his sin. He was so hard and dead that when everybody else was up praying to their false gods, he was asleep and refused to pray and said, hey, this thing's my fault. Just throw me overboard. Oh, he was hard, wasn't he? Throw it overboard because I guess he had just as soon died as go to Nineveh. <laughs> it wasn't his time to die. God calls him to be rescued by a fish. It swallows him three days and three nights in the fish's belly. Looks like he'd have prayed within the first 15 minutes, doesn't it? Three days and three nights. His life didn't improve until he confessed his sin to his God. I'm telling you tonight, the first step away from your God into sin and not confessing that sin and getting it out of your life is a progressive slide downhill into a lose-lose situation. If you're going to maintain fellowship with God, you need to confess. You need to confess your sin. And when you confess your sin, it's not like this. Now, when you publicly pray, I don't stand up and confess all my sin. I say, Lord, in a public, in a public prayer, you confess your sins more generally. But in your secret prayer, you, you confess them specifically. You name what you did. And when we confess your sins, there needs to be some sorrow. I mean, we need to be convicted because we sin. Here's how we do. Lord, thank you for the good day you give to me. Forgive me for my sins. Amen. Ain't a bit more remorse over what you've done against God at all, and that's a waste of time. There should be remorse and sorrow on your part that you have done wrong against your king. So one part of confessing sin is there needs to be a sorrow over it and a desire to turn from it. You don't confess your sin in lieu of doing the same thing again in the morning. When I was out of fellowship with the Lord and I knew I was doing wrong, I'd come home and I'd confess my sins that night and I'd go back and do it again the next day. That's not confession. 
Proverbs chapter 28 says, He that covers his sin will not prosper. He that confesses and forsakes it. You see, part of confession is not only being sorrowful, but it's also you're confessing it in lieu of forsaking it. You don't confess it, I'm going to confess it now and get me covered and everything, and then I'm going to turn around and do it again tomorrow. That's a sin of presumption. And that's a bad way to confess your sin. It's not acceptable either to God. Confession is confession is a key to fellowship. You need to confess your sins. You need to drag them out in the open. Let me name some of them you need to confess. Is everybody listening to me? Let me, let me tell you something you need to confess. You need to confess your sins of commission. These are sins you commit. Acts that you've done wrong. Your sinful acts. You need to confess that. Fits of anger, backbiting, gossip, whatever. Sins of commission. Number two, you need to confess your sins of omission. What's the sin of omission? It's knowing to do right and not doing it. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know I need to go to God's house. I'm supposed to, but I just don't go. That's a sin of omission. You know you're supposed to do it, but you don't do it. That's a sin. See, there's a lot two sins and just not drinking, smoking, or cussing. That's only three sins they are if you talk to some folks. More sins than that. Sins of thought. Sins of thought. Well, you can't control your thoughts. You can't. You can't control things that pop in your mind. I agree, I agree with that. Sometimes things do pop in your mind. But you know what has a lot to do with how you think? Does anybody know? What you look at. If you pump in junk into your mind all the time, filth into your mind all the time, you're going to think filth. And just because it pops in your mind, don't need like Sister Reba said. You can't stop a bird from flying in your hair, but you can stop it from making a nest there. She's right. You can't stop a thought from coming into your mind, but you don't have to nurture it and dwell on it. Man, a sinful thought comes to your mind, you confess it and ask the Lord to get it out of there. Lord, I've prayed to many a time. People think I'm nuts, I guess, when I'm beloading the truck. and say, oh, Lord, take this out of my mind. I want to think this way. Sins of thought, sins of acts, sins, secret sins. What's a secret sin? That's a sin that's hid from everybody else. I'm going to tell you something tonight. You can lie to me. That's fine. I mean, that's not fine. Oh, edit that. You can lie to me, but you will never lie to your king. His eyes is in every place beholding the evil and the good. And a person can, be, can, can appear so godly in public and go behind closed doors and is an absolute devil. Absolute devil. Secret sins. David prayed in Psalms 19, Lord, cleanse me from secret faults. You know what? I really mean this. I want to be clean in thought. I want to be in secret what I appear to be in public. I don't want no hypocrisy in my life. Tell me, buddy, I want to be real. That's what I desire more than anything else. And that's not what I pray more than anything. Lord, realness. No fake. All heart and all 
true. And that should be what you desire for yourself. Secret sins. Cleanse me from secret faults. Public sins. These are all things we need to confess. Drag them out in the open before your king and confess them. Seek to get them out of your life. You can't be close with God and have sin in your life. Tolerate sin in your life. You've got to confess it. And we need to teach our children to confess their sins. We need to teach our young Christians to confess your sins. Listen to this real tight. I've uh, explained this several times. I'll explain it again because people misunderstand confession. Confession is for fellowship. Are you with me? After you become a Christian, Judaically, all your sins are paid for. Boom. As far as God's law is concerned, when Wade and Teresa Hartwell trusted Christ, their debt's paid. Boom. Forever. God don't even charge sin to them no more. As far as the law is concerned, they're perfect. Isn't that wonderful? Same is true as everyone that's born again. So as far as God... I mean, God's, I mean, God's law can't come and say, He owes me hell. No, it can't because His hell was paid by Christ. Are you with me? But now Wade and Teresa is a child of the king. And they don't need to get judicial forgiveness because that debt's done been paid. But they do need parental forgiveness in order to stay close with their king. Do you see the difference between the two? You see, confession doesn't restore your relationship. I mean, you're still God's... If you sin and you're born again, you're still God's child. That doesn't change that. Any more than when your children sin against you, are they still your children? Sure they are. There's a blood relationship there. Now they can get mad at you and go to the other ends of the earth, but they are still your children. That's the way it is with a child of God. That's the relationship you have. That's what you are. But when you sin, you sin against your what? You sin against your father. And you know what that affects? That affects your closeness with your God. And you come and you confess your sin. And Timmy, it keeps you close to Him. Oh, there's times I come and say, Father, I, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have done what I did. I, I want you to forgive me. Well, I didn't become a child again. I've always been a child. I just come and confess and for what again? Fellowship. Keeps me close. If you don't confess your sins, I don't know why we do that. We have a tendency to want to cover. We want people to think that we're what? And you're not. No one here is. We like to convey that to everybody in the pew. Preachers like to convey that, but they're not. Notice what it says, and this is covered in verse uh, 7. If we, uh, I'm sorry, verse 8. If we say that we have no, what? If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Look at verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and the Word is not in us. So if you say you're sinless, you're deceiving yourself. And the truth and the Word is not in you. But we like to convey that. But we're not. 
That's why we all need to confess our sins to our King. Here they are, Lord. Get this out of my life. I want it out of there. See? And you do that, you'll prosper. Again, confession is for what? Fellowship. Because without a doubt, I always get the question. I'm so sick of getting the question because it's a misunderstanding of confession. Oh, Jeff, what if you what if you sin and you drive down the road and get killed in a car wreck? Will you go to hell? You think you're getting your sins paid for as you go? Does every time you confess it, are you getting it back? You know, in order to stay saved under that type of thinking, you'd have to be perfect. You know you could guarantee no one heaven under that? It's a terrible way to think. And it's just from the result of people not understanding confession. Confession doesn't restore your relationship as a child. It restores your fellowship with your father. That's what it's for. That's the difference between two. Do you see the difference? Well, you need to. It's very important that you see that. So, how do you maintain fellowship tonight with your king? Number one, you walk in the light. And you do. You walk in the light by, by maintaining close contact with the vine. Number two, you confess your sins. Drag them out in the open. Don't hide them. Cover them. You know, deny them. Get them out and come clean with your king. Confess them. And you'll get your fellowship back. Well, that's about all I have to say tonight, but we're not done yet. I'm going to ask you a very trying question. We'll ask you again. How's your fellowship with Jesus Christ if you're saved? How close are you? Wade and Teresa Hartwell tonight, real close to God. You can see it, can you not? But we want to maintain that. Because that always don't stay that, that You know what I'm saying. Do you have that tonight? Are you close? Have you lost your joy? Is worship just a dull formality that you go through? Are you getting a lot out of church? Getting a lot out of the worship? Or have you not? Have you drifted? Do you want your fellowship back? Do you know Jesus? Will, he hasn't moved. You need to begin tonight with confessing your sin and get your contact back with Christ. Let's all stand. Folks, joy will soon follow that if you'll do that tonight. Joy will soon follow. May God add His blessings to His Word. Brother Denver, would you dismiss us, please?